Queer Media. My name is Luke Smith. My name is Sebastian. Now, Sebastian, you're not here with me right now. We are recording remotely. Yes. However, you were here yesterday. Yeah, last night, yes. Absolutely, yeah. You came to visit and spend some time with your brother and your niece and nephew. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents were also here. Lots of people taking the last of the summer to... Uh, to spend with family. I think the, the phrase last of the summer wine is... Mm-hmm. Okay, yes. Yeah. We've been to a whole bunch of museums, including a couple of the bad ones. Uh, actually, I complained about one museum when I was in another museum, and the, the nice lady there was like, uh, officially, we have uh, we are not allowed to comment on the state or quality of the other museums. And then she whispered it under her breath, I agree with you, that one's garbage. And uh, yeah, yeah, I won't say which. If you want to know, you can contact me personally. <laughs> I'm not going to put it on the air. Mm-hmm. I think they need to fix their stuff, but I don't think it's worth naming and shaming, if that now, makes sense. I also went to a museum yesterday. I mean, the great thing about the city of Ottawa is that it has so many museums in yeah. it. Yeah. Um, we went to the Diefenbunker, which mm-hmm. was the nuclear, nuclear fallout. <laughs> Uh, nuclear fallout bunker uh, by Prime Minister Diefenbaker. Yeah, out on the edge of town. It's basically like, it's laid out exactly like a high school. So imagine a high school, but it's 200 meters underground. 200 meters, I think it's that much, isn't it? I think it's much more than that, but yeah, it is It is big. Yeah. Uh, the thing that really tickled me, I mean, the, the facility is absolutely massive. And uh, yeah, then there was a whole exhibit about how, you know, a local paper just flew a helicopter of and was like 70 bathrooms is a bit much <laughs> for a little communication station there guy uh-huh. um yeah so super secret bases not so good when you have 70 different bathrooms rolling up on trucks so <laughs> i don't know if uh, the canadian government has figured out how to keep things secret since then i imagine mm-hmm. they probably did um but yeah i was highly amused if, uh, if you've never been to Ottawa and you've never been to the Deepen Bunker, but you have played the Fallout series, the inside looks a lot like a Vault-Tec vault. It's kind of, I, not ironic, it's uncanny. That's the word I was looking for. It's really interesting in there. Uh, and it just looks like a 1950s cafeteria in the mm. lunchroom. Totally normal. Yeah. It was entertaining because as we were going around, it was so very 70s and 80s. Like Different rooms were still mm. kept according to different time periods that it was in use. And uh, in the cafeteria had this, the way it was set up, it was very old school cafeteria. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of schools and things had in that style. All right. Well, that was our weekend. Now, somebody who had a much, I'm going to say much better weekend is a young boy called Brody Neville, who Mm -hmm. just turned 12. Okay. And uh, he's in Calgary and Brody Neville came out as gay, Mm self-identified as gay uh, at uh, probably at 11 because he just turned 12. Right. Um, and unfortunately for Brody, he lost a lot of his friends when that happened. Mm-hmm. So his mum, just like every other mum would, asked Brody, what would you like to do for your birthday? And Brody was upset. Um, apparently he was, uh, was particularly upset. And, and there's a great quote here from the CBC uh, I, I was asking him what he wanted to do for his birthday, and he was in tears and said, since he came out as gay, he lost all his friends. 
So he didn't even have people who could come, oh. which is just sad. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, it's depressing. Right. Um, yeah. Well, now Brody's mum isn't going to just roll over and allow that to be a thing that happens. Okay. Go Brody's mum. I'm Team Brody's mum. Right. And uh, she put a thing on Facebook, and honestly, the community came together. There were drag queens that showed up. Um, loads of people just showed up at this park to help celebrate little Brody's birthday in Calgary, hmm. which is super sweet. And it's, I don't know, it's nice little stories like that that help to. I hope the there's at least one or two other kids because, like, actual permanent long term friends his own age. That would be the, that would be, the, I mean, having the entire community come out and support him to sort of like show him that one day he's going to grow up and there are people out there. But, you know, having kids his own age show up, that would be the ideal. Yeah, apparently there were lots of families and, and other friends. And, and it does seem from the photographs that there were lots of other kids. Good. So, yeah, this is exciting. It, it's nice to see people kind of rallying together Yeah. Um, after that. So, yeah, that was a nice little story to come out of Calgary that we kept an eye on. Now, we have mentioned a couple of times. Right. The Well, more than a couple of times. The Canadian, uh, the Liberal Party of Canada promised in their first election campaign where they were then elected uh, into government. Is this to, the blood services thing? Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, to man. To get rid of the discriminatory blood ban. Right. Um, and they said, you know, it is hardly rooted in science. It yeah. discriminates. It mm-hmm. is uh, It is absolutely awful. And in the many years since... Uh, the Liberals have been in in power, they have not particularly done a huge amount. They went from a lifetime ban to one year. Okay. And that means that uh, any gay man looking to donate blood has to cross their legs and not even think about sex for a whole year. Mm. Um, Otherwise, uh, you know, they're not allowed to, not allowed to donate blood. Um, Then it dropped down to uh, three months mm-hmm. so um, and then a lot of other countries are like look it doesn't even make any sense yeah and we've talked about this before either well, you're testing times. all the blood or you're testing none of the blood or you're batch testing but yeah. either way you know a yes no question should not be what safe blood hinges on because you can lie uh Absolutely. it's also i mean again they should be testing and the crazy thing is i mean it, it makes me think of that that meme with the three spider-men and they're all pointing at each other and this has basically been the case for the past like what five ten years now where uh the the standing government which lately has been liberal has been pointing to canadian blood services saying well you know ultimately they make the choice and then they've been pointing to um was it the, the Health Canada saying, well, you know, we're a subsidiary of them. You know, we, 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 we fall into step. And then Health Canada kind of points to the government saying, like, we're just a ministry. We do what we're told. What are you talking about? So there's been this sort of pass along for a while. And yeah. at every state, every st- like this is not me saying that this is reasonable. This is me saying this is what they're saying, because every time we've reported a story like this, either you or I have actually looked things up and been like, there doesn't seem to be a policy about that. Like they're making this up. Yeah, they're just so, passing on the blame. Uh, about a month or so ago, a, a man who tried to donate blood and was refused because he wasn't celibate for three months mm-hmm. um, sued Health Canada 
Okay. Now, the government of Canada, through the Justice Department, defended Health Canada okay. by claiming that Health Canada was not the correct party to sue. Okay. Uh, because they don't, Health Canada doesn't go around raising blood donations. That's uh, Hema Quebec and the Canadian Blood Services. Right. Now, yeah, yeah. what he argues is okay, sure, but. The Canadian Blood Services only has one contract, and that only one contract is with you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Canadian Blood Services is claiming that a lot of this is uh, based on what Health Canada wants. Well, in the lawsuit where somebody sued Health Canada, Health Canada is claiming, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh-huh. We just take the blood. We don't have, you know, we don't, we don't say you can't take it from the gays. That's a that's a Canadian blood services problem. Okay. So in the court of law, as far as the Health Canada is concerned, Health Canada is arguing at court right now okay. that Canadian blood service is the ones and only the ones responsible for the ban on um, men that have sex with men donating bloods. Yeah. This is important because the Canadian blood services this week Mm-hmm. has now issued a request to Health Canada okay. to see if they can now drop the highly discriminatory blood ban. <laughs> so Health Canada argues in court, it's got nothing to do with them. Right. Canadian Blood Services is arguing in the press that the ball is now in Health Canada's court and Health Canada will have to review all of the information, uh, do the little analysis and get back to us. It is absolutely ridiculous. And you know how ridiculous it is? Israel, the United States, Australia, Germany, and the UK all did away with their discriminatory blood bans over the last 12 months. The US kind of surprises me. They're, uh, the, is it's it not, state by state? State by state, yeah. State by state. Oh, okay, okay. Because some, some of the states are way more liberal than we think they are, and others are like, LOL. But uh, yeah, it's so part of me. Okay, I I could understand if somebody in our listening audience might be thinking something to the tune of like, you know, if you're looking at men who have sex with men, gays and bisexuals together, it's something like one in 20, depending on who is doing the study and how you're doing the math and all that. You know, is that really worth all this kerfuffle? Except we've been in a persistent blood shortage for the past 15 years or so. And we are now at the point where every donor counts. Every single donor counts. Every bag of plasma counts. Every Everything counts. So if we can increase the blood supply by like, you know, if 1% of the population who could not give it before can give it now, I'm not saying it's 1%. It's definitely more than 1% of the population. But still, if we were banning 1% of the population, that would be worthy of unlocking that group so they could actually help with this astounding shortage yeah so stats canada revealed uh not too long ago that it's about a million people across canada identify as gay bio trans okay um so we can assume at least half of those are gay men you know all right the gender, okay. the gender mix um there was another uh, survey of over three thousand gay men in canada where they found that 990 percent of respondents would donate blood if they could, right. that didn't require them to go celebrate for three months when nobody else has to. Right. You know, okay. it, is, it is an unnecessary and discriminatory requirement. Um, 
so yeah, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of people that could donate blood, very mm-hmm. likely would like to donate blood, mm-hmm. but Canadian Blood Services has said the CEO of Canadian Blood Services, according to a report by the CBC, uh, in a video posted to the website, said uh, that Canadian Blood Services must acknowledge and learn that inequality and systemic racism exists within their own organization, just as they exist in other parts of Canada. Apparently, they are planning to do better. Okay. Um, however, they're now kicking the ball back to Health Canada, even though Health Canada... As far as we're aware in the courts, is claiming to have nothing to do with this. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Well, no, I you don't know, know, it's the blind leading the blind with this policy. It's absolutely I think, disgraceful. I think it's more an issue of like, don't get your boss in trouble, get your boss's boss in trouble. Even if it's not your boss's boss's job to do this, it'll still embarrass them into smacking your boss into order. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I think a part of it is... This is one of the embarrassments. It's it's a blot on the Liberal Party's record for mm. this election campaign that's happening right now. The fact that they promised yeah. twice to yeah. get this dealt with. And as far as the Liberal government is concerned, because the Justice Department, on behalf of the Liberal government, mm-hmm. uh, is making these arguments in court, as far as they are concerned, the independent third party, which is Canadian Blood Services, is solely responsible for for this issue. I thought Hema Quebec actually started looking into and doing this some time ago. Like they were the outlier. For the last, I would say, between five and 10 years, both of those organizations have been claiming to uh, issue studies and analyze the situation. But it's been at least half a decade that they have been examining this. Okay. Um, I get a better sense of what my navel is doing in that amount of time than than what these two organizations have achieved. Got now, it. Mm-hmm. They re- they commissioned 19 independent research projects. What? Um and they've now miraculously come to the same conclusion as Germany, Australia, the United Kingdom, Israel and the US uh, which is that a highly discriminatory policy which has been called that by yeah. our government, yeah. um, is in fact, and this is the real shocker, discriminatory. Ooh, okay. So I don't know. I think the the conservatives are definitely browbeating the liberals over this because of the fact that they never quite got it done. Yeah. I do wonder if there was some added pressure on Canadian Blood Services to make these announcements now in the middle of an election campaign. Uh-huh. Um, but honestly... It, it doesn't wash with me. I think it's one side pointing at the other, pointing at the other, yeah, yeah, shifting yeah. blame. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, Health Canada and Canadian Blood Services are on the hook for this disgraceful policy. I mean, it could also be, and this is a, uh, it's not a standard uh, electoral policy, but it is the kind of thing that parties have been known to do in the past, where they, they leave easy wins till the 11th hour so that just before the next election cycle, they can knock down a whole bunch of promises right at the last minute so that it's all in the news and look what we've done. Uh, I'm not necessarily saying that that's what's happening here, but I'm saying that it wouldn't surprise me if it turned out this is what's happening here, if that makes sense to you. Uh, But either way, it's good to see that uh, this is finally getting dealt with. And again, the fact that somebody had to sue someone's boss's boss to get this done. Uh, I, I wish 
you know, I wish cooler heads and good reason and, and data and science had won the day, but uh, I don't know. Litigation also works, I guess. Absolutely. Well, we're going to jump to our first song of the day. This is Why the uh, Words and Music are by Annie Lennox, but this is a cover by Alison Crow, uh, who is Canadian, and we will be back just how many times do I have to try to tell you That I'm sorry for the things I've done But every time I go to tell you That's when you have to tell me Hey, this kind of trouble's only just be I've told myself too many times Hey, why don't you ever learn to Keep your big mouth shut That's why it hurts so bad To hear the words that keep on Falling from your mouth Falling from your mouth Falling from your mouth Tell me why Tell me why I may be mad, I may be blind I may be viciously unkind Why can't you see that this boat is sinking? This boat is sinking. This boat is sinking. Let's go down to the water's edge and we can cast away your doubt. Some things are better left unsaid, but they still turn me inside. Turning inside out, turning inside out, tell me why, tell me why. These are the contents of my head These are the years that we have spent This is what they represent This is how I feel Do you know I feel Cause I don't think you know Tell me why Oh uh-huh. 
Hello and welcome back to Cancri, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. And we were just listening to Alison Crowe's cover of Why by Annie Lennox. I'm a big Annie Lennox fan. I mean, who oh, yeah. is not? Right? Fantastic. So there was uh, an interesting story, a bit of an update about the related to the Bruce MacArthur murders uh, in uh, 2016 through to 2020. No, 2019, I think, was when he was arrested. Um, He, uh, as folks may recall, he was active in Toronto in the area. And um, he is, you know, responsible for killing, I believe, about six people uh, over, over a period of time. Definitely confirmed, and uh, the the community and the police have come to different numbers, but people suspect there's possibly more out there, but of the ones that we can definitely confirm and that he's confessed to, yeah, it's it's a short list. Yeah. So Sergeant Paul Gautier was uh, the in charge of managing the case when Bruce MacArthur was arrested in June of 2016. Okay. Uh, and this was not when they discovered bodies, figured out who it was, and then arrested Bruce McConnell. This was an unrelated arrest to, you know, like a couple of years prior mm-hmm. uh, before he killed two more people at least. Mm-hmm. And uh, during this time, what happened was there was a young man who... Um, accused Bruce MacArthur of uh, trying to strangle him to death. Mm -hmm. He managed to escape uh, Bruce MacArthur and then immediately went to the police Mm -hmm. and reported it. Bruce MacArthur was found, Mm -hmm. was arrested, Mm -hmm. um, and then quite promptly released again. Okay. Because uh, Bruce MacArthur said, oh, no, 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 no. It was consensual. This... It was fine, you know, it's it's just, you know, a bit rough and tumble. I don't think he said rough and tumble, but he was very, he definitely <laughs> played down right. what happened. Now, the issue here is that Sergeant Paul Gautier um, did a number of, or rather did not do a number of things. Mm-hmm. So according to uh, the statement of particulars, He did not photograph the injuries of the man that was nearly strangled to death uh, within 72 hours as required by the Toronto Police Service's procedures of domestic violence, which meant that all of the bruising and so on had gone down um, at that point. Uh, It also said that uh, the signed statement, uh, the, the Complainant did a signed statement to the constable who went to the scene. Uh, Bruce MacArthur apparently later turned himself in. Um, Gautier did a videotaped interview with MacArthur, and I think some of that may have become available after the fact. Ooh. But it was, there was, he did not review or collect the video. He didn't even collect video from the complainant, the one that was nearly strangled to death. Okay. He did not take an audio or video statement from the man who was nearly strangled to death okay. and did not have any photographs arranged to be taken to him. So, And these are all policy that he should have yeah, done. Absolutely. Okay. He was expected to have done each and every one of those things. Okay. And this isn't the first time. I think what became apparent is that this particular man who was able to escape mm-hmm. Bruce MacArthur um, and went to the police Whereas Sergeant Paul Gautier um, 
didn't seem to want to see what that looked like and didn't seem to want to have the photographs taken or the audio taken or the video taken, um, but presumably at least read the statement, uh, which, of course, Bruce MacArthur was able to explain away. Okay. It's, you know, it's easy to explain he was holding my neck as opposed to a video where the neck is black and blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, um, the markings would be different. Yeah. The strangling to kill and strangling for kicks, uh, the markings look different. So there's definitely that. And I seem to recall that at one point in time they had arrested. Um, no, it was uh, when they first started doing the manhunt for quote unquote, whomever is doing this, although we know who it is now. They did actually call up Bruce MacArthur as a potential person of interest. And he was like, oh, I'll help you. Because there was a, that stage in the investigation uh, when Bruce MacArthur was acting as a consultant to the police on the community. I, I, I will jump in here. He was never a consultant to the police in the investigation into his well, not, own murdering. Not, um, not a professional. But, but he was not really considered a, you know, as far as we can tell now after the fact. Yeah. There was a scathing review by a uh, federal, uh, I'm sorry, a provincial appeals court judge who did mm-hmm. the independent review into this investigation um that but he did that volunteer were... to help and they knew about him because of this arrest i believe yeah they interviewed yeah. him um on, on something not specific to this mm-hmm. uh where he tried to be helpful um, oh, okay. obviously was not admitting to the fact that he'd murdered people mm-hmm. so sergeant paul gautier was arrested on oh sorry was charged with insubordination and neglect of duty. Okay. Related to the arrest, questioning, and then release of the serial killer, Bruce MacArthur. Now, as I'm sure you were aware, it is unbelievably a high bar to Mm -hmm. hold police accountable for their actions and or inactions. Yes. So even though the agreed statement of facts by Sergeant Paul Gautier and uh, those prosecuting, included this lapse of evidence gathering, this lapse of review, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, It still led to both of these disciplinary um, charges being effectively thrown out by the the, the tribunal. So they found the tribunal found him not guilty on both charges the retired superintendent dave andrews who wrote the decision said after analyzing and weighing all the evidence i am not satisfied on clear and convincing evidence that the allegations as set out in the notice of hearing have been proven Um, and goes on to say i will not pretend that this investigation was perfect it was not Mm. and goes on to say while i would have preferred further steps to be taken nothing has been presented to demonstrate to any degree of certainty that those steps have been taken um and would have led to, to ground would have led to charges against bruce MacArthur. so I mean, it's incredibly frustrating that, and it's incredibly frustrating to the families of those two victims who died after Bruce MacArthur mm-hmm. was arrested and then released. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to have to sit on the conscience of Sergeant Paul Gautier um, for the rest of his career, I believe, because, you know, the what ifs, the statement of facts that he agreed to seem to paint a pretty clear and concise picture to me 
that steps were not taken appropriately. Yeah, the the insubordination one, I don't know about that, but the negligence one, I don't know. I feel like, like, you know, we have different kinds of murder. You know, we got like murder one and murder two and and manslaughter. And I I feel like there should be like different degrees of, of negligence. Like, you know, dumb, dumb accident negligence versus deliberate belligerent neglecting your duties um and i can understand the courts are saying we cannot say for sure on clear evidence without a shadow of a doubt that blah de blah blah and i it's not great but that's how the legal system is is developed and it's there so that people who are innocent can not be accused of stuff they didn't do but um i don't know i'm on the fence about the police investigating the police i mean i feel like it's it's i don't know and and we all know as a society that holding police accountable is such a high bar yeah yeah that it almost never happens you know what i mean and i think most people are also aware of the fact that you know, on the day of an event when horrible things happen, there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of panic. Um, sometimes very simple things are assigned to two or three people to make sure that they're done appropriately. Um, I can understand that that sometimes, you know, horrible things happen and it's hard to follow the procedures because even the officers involved are emotionally moved by what they have to witness. And I get well, that. That's the issue. Paul, this was didn't wasn't moved by what he witnessed yeah yeah because he didn't he didn't want to look at it that's that was me hedging that saying that i am not 100 anti-police but this is a case where it's like oof uh at least something in-house at least some kind of you know two weeks without pay or something like uh, Mm -hmm. it seems weird that nothing comes of this at all. Well, my thoughts go out to the family of Silly Messon and Andrew Kisman, who are both of whom were murdered by Bruce MacArthur after his release mm. by Sergeant Paul Gautier. And that poor victim of sexual assault who never found justice as well. That, Absolutely. That un- unnamed person there. Yeah, it is quite horrific. Well, like I said, at the very least, this is going to rest on that on that police officer's uh, conscience mm. um, as we move forward. It is astonishing that not taking a photograph or a video um, could maybe have broken the case, or maybe not. I, you know, I yeah. am inclined to agree with the finding of the superintendent. Yeah, that there is no clear evidence that yeah. had they been found the video before that. Uh, you know, they'd have figured it out and wrapped it up nicely in a bow. Because yeah. as we know, the actual investigation involved allegations of cannibalism. It meandered for however long. It grew yeah. and shrank and grew and shrank. And uh, yeah, it was a mess from day one, the actual investigation. Yeah, the, the way that I'm looking at this is they didn't know that this was a serial killer who was in front of them. What they knew was that it was a potential sexual assailant and they didn't treat that case with the dignity that it was worth within the context of it being a sexual assault and physical assault. So tying it to the greater string of murders that they vaguely knew about at that point, um, that I- this, This sergeant probably didn't know about that because the Toronto Police Service at the time did not have a missing persons unit. Oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) We're assuming a degree of information sharing that frankly did not exist. So him not connecting it to that case, 
I am completely understanding of that. But the fact that he was negligent of the case in front of him, that that is the thing that I think is a uh, it, it does tie into a greater injustice. But that is a fundamental injustice that's pretty hard to sidestep. So in the sort of uh, brief theme we have here of covers, there is a uh, an incredibly talented uh, trans woman who uh, Myla Jam in the United States in America. This is an American uh, song we're going to be playing next. And <gasps> this is Myla Jam's cover of "It's Raining Men," and it's it's raining <laughs> then. Okay. Now it's raining Ben by the Weather Girls, which still to this day remains a, a, a truly top tier gay anthem. Oh yeah. Um, was covered by Jerry Halliwell in I think the early two thousands. Yeah, somewhere um, there. Yeah. And it's now being covered by Myla Jam. It's a great video. Folks could should go and check it out. It's raining them. Um, yeah, it's it's a fun cover. It's an imaginative modern uh, sort of update to this track. Um, I am also curious, unrelated to this song, which we're gonna play in a moment, is ABBA, after 39 years apart, um, mm-hmm. are gonna try and release, release a new album. Did you know about that? A fresh new material? Yep, a new album from ABBA of, you know, Mamma Mia fame. Uh, come on, of Eurovision fame. Well, I was referring to the song Mamma Mia as opposed to the, the movie franchise. But yes, it's, you know, that ABBA, that ABBA. Yes. Yeah. So we'll see what ABBA comes up with. I'm confident we will play some of their music on you, our show, despite I, not being Canadian. I was shook that that was the path that you took. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, this is Milo Jam's um, imagine, reimagination of It's Raining Men with mm-hmm. It's Raining Them. And we will be back just after this. It's raining them, hallelujah, it's raining them, ain't them, it's raining them, hallelujah, it's raining them. Humidity's rising, yeah, barometer's getting low, according to all sources, the street's the place to go.
Hello and welcome back to Cancre, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. My name is Sebastian. And I have a, an interesting story here. There is a, a couple of different things uh, I want to talk about. But first of all, is an interesting story. We don't have too many details, but I wanted to get your take on this. Okay. Shanghai University has asked its colleges to make a list and to Check assess twice. the oh. state of mind and the political stance of members of the LGBTQ community at those colleges. Is this a creepy Maoist thing or is this a survey to see their general state of health? Like, what so are we talking about here? The campus serving cited relevant requirements, which is leaning on the creepy Maoist side for me, okay. um, asked the colleges to investigate and research students who identified as LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. Um, it also requested information on their state of mind, psychological uh, condition, political stance, social contacts, and mental health status. Okay. Um, they never defined what those relevant requirements were but it is definitely setting off alarm bells in the LGBT community in China the worry that the university system at least Shanghai University Mm. seems to be listing and finding out exactly who is gay on their campuses I mean they've got uh, was it WeChat? No it's not WeChat it's Weibo they've got Weibo that can do that as well because they they the state owns the largest social network well technically the only social network um on the chinese internet so they they would be able to dig things up that way but this is a little bit more of a an exact method of, of getting to the person themselves and being able to assess them more directly something that does jump out at me before i go on though is the the hilarious reversal where in the 1950s and 60s in North America during the sort of McCartney years um, that uh, homosexuality was associated with communism whereas in modern China homosexuality is associated with western capitalism this bizarre reversal it's always the other um, yeah it, it is potentially worrying it, it could just be um they are it could just be a demographic study it could be a demographic study yeah and and the word on the street or at least the the official word and whether or not we believe them is a different conversation is that they are trying to improve uh their human rights in china they've said that multiple times on you know the un and various interviews with different states you know state visits by various other world leaders and you know how's that human rights thing going there china and uh their answer is thumbs up emoji and the rest of the world goes, mm-hmm. And this could actually be an attempt to do some of the easier wins. Well, maybe. Reporting by The Guardian is a I bit don't more think hatched. it is. I'm saying yeah. it could be. <laughs> so they point out that Chinese authorities have targeted feminist groups and have targeted folks who kick up a fuss against discrimination. Um, They also point out that the only Pride organization in China, Shanghai Pride, was shut down last year. And uh, in July, we also reported on the fact that dozens of social media accounts by LGBTQ universities were also shut down. 
Yes. So there is there is certainly a, a concern that, you know, is this part of a growing Chinese state trend against folks who identify as LGBTQ? Um, or is this just Shanghai University trying to better understand its queer students? Mm. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure if it's a half glass half full or glass half, half empty um, situation here or... But uh, we'll keep an eye on it and see how this develops. It, it also doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. It could be that they're going to look into it and they proceed according to the answers. They, you know, if, if it's favorable, if they are all, you know, they're, they're loyal to the party, then uh, nothing to be done. It's just, you know, let's look into it and make sure that party members are happy. And if uh, they're not loyal to the party, then uh, it's something to crack down on. It could be just exploratory. It probably is just exploratory. It's the next step that's worrying. Absolutely. Well, we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on it. But uh, yeah, certainly quite concerning to see this happening in uh, in China. Um, we did want to um, extend the congratulations to the folks over in Europe, uh, particularly Copenhagen and Malmo. Uh, where they've had World Pride 2021, as well as the Gay Games, as well as uh, Sweden, which then hosted the uh, an international LGBTQ human rights conference. Copenhagen so over, and Malmo are nowhere near each other. Well, they I think Malmo held the... I think Copenhagen was the official host of World Pride. Okay. The Gay Games were somewhere sort of spread out. And, okay. uh, in okay. Sweden, they had the International uh, Human Rights Conference uh, as a part of this major event. It is the largest queer gathering uh, in the world since COVID-19 um, struck. Okay. Um, so this is being seen as a, as a huge success. All of the authorities managed it quite well. Uh, Sweden did detain two African activists on the way to the Human Rights Conference. Um, yeah which led to pretty much every organization who was attending the conference uh, raising a bit of a stink. Uh-huh, yes, yes. So. Um, yes. But yeah, so it was, uh, it seems like that's all gone off with, uh, without much of a hitch. So great to see that success. Although I'm sure since COVID started, the largest LGBT meetup probably still happened on Fire Island. They just didn't rec- record the numbers. Yeah, well, I meant like... Official. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah, not just... Yeah, exactly, yeah. All right, well, moving on, we are all aware of the horrific incidents that is happening in um, Afghanistan. Yes. I believe it was Queerty who had um, an interview with... Uh, a young man who is openly gay. And when, because of course, the Taliban taking control of Kabul was incredibly unexpected. Nobody expected it. Um, And folks were just in cafes. Folks were living their lives. And apparently these two young men, two gay men were in a cafe when the Taliban took Kabul. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of them said to the his boyfriend, you know, rush home, keep your head down, stay out of the way, only to discover that later that day his boyfriend had been found, taken out of Kabul, murdered, hmm. and brought back into the city. 
Um, this same individual then received a phone call um, a couple of days later from a representative of the Taliban in Afghanistan, uh, noting that they were aware that he was a homosexual, was aware that he had a boyfriend, past tense, you know, intended, mm-hmm. and that he also had several friends in a social group, um, noting that he cannot leave the country and that if they do find him, he will also be murdered. So this is just one example of LGBTQ Afghans who are terrified of of what is happening because the Taliban hasn't just been sitting idly by, apparently. The Taliban has been watching and listing folks that they believe um, will be... uh, that should be should be uh, uh, killed. That was going to be my my question. How are they finding these people so quickly? And uh, I guess it's you know for the past few years, people have been a little bit more comfortable, and they've been able to scan social media or something, or or just having well, a, a snitch line. It's it's worth noting. It's you know if if you're a, a young gay man who's eighteen. You know, the Americans were in Kabul for longer than you've been alive. Yeah. You know, these are people whose entire lives were in a space that is much safer. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they wouldn't have had that sort of py- paranoia and fear. Um, Stonewall and Rainbow Migration, which is a UK uh, queer charities, have provided the British government with a list of LGBTQ Afghans that they have identified through their networks in Afghanistan. Uh, We believe that there are similar lists circulating with the Americans, and I think Rainbow Railroad is working with the Canadian government as well. Um, In the United States, Congress has been lobbying for the US to evacuate LGBTQ refugees yeah, it is. It is pretty horrific. And the ILGA, along with about 130 other organizations, issued an urgent release to the to the media, um, noting that uh, countries need to step in to protect women, children, LGBTQ oh. and other vulnerable persons. Uh, we are keeping an eye on it to see how these things give, uh, you know, follow through. Um, We'll be reaching out to Rainbow Railroad, which is a Canadian organization, to find out more information. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it is pretty horrific that with every single moment that passes, the Taliban is cleaning house. Yeah. One of the biggest worries for me, though, is that some of the diplomats had troubles getting out of the country. Like, I'm, I'm not sure how we're going to locate, um, protect, and evacuate these individuals when you know, state officials with state official resources uh, had troubles getting out. Now, some of that was the chaos of those first two days when nobody knew what was happening. And anyone who says they know what was happening, they're they're bigging themselves up because it was chaos. Um, yeah. And so, wanna, so, yeah. some of it is that. And the, the struggle to get out was partly because of the chaos. So what it's going to look like in a month is probably going to be a completely different situation. But I there there is still a resource issue that I worry about. Well, the issue is that when the Taliban took Kabul, um, they took over, you know, air quotes, your security 
for the outer perimeter of the airport mm. um, and their security is almost non-existent. They are searching cars, but yeah. um, ISIS bombers, so ISK, which is the uh, Afghan uh, splinter of ISIS, mm-hmm. um, did set off an explosion outside of the airport, killing, I believe, either six or eight US uh, personnel. Yeah. Um, and... I think over a hundred others died uh, in the explosion caused by mm-hmm. uh, ISK. Um, and that was frankly down entirely to the so-called security uh, perimeter set up by the Taliban, which really wasn't a thing. Yeah. Um, so now folks have to sneak past the Taliban to get into the airport. Mm-hmm. Um, some organizations are sending in special forces to escort them, to, to help them get there. Some folks mm-hmm. are fleeing over the, Pakistan border. Um, but the challenge that a lot of uh, LGBT folks in Afghanistan are facing is that even to be seen could mean you could be identified. Um, and that's that's a horrific conclusion to to their time there. So we will be following it. We'll try and get some some expertise in on this to discuss mm-hmm. how Canadians can can help. Canadians, of course, have been serving in the area for a quite a period of time. Um, but yeah, that's about it on the on the front in terms of what I wanted to talk about for Afghanistan. Uh, there are there is a uh, an appeal fund run by Rainbow Railroad that you can that you can support them on as they do some of their urgent work. It's on giveout.org. It's the Afghanistan appeal. Um, but for now, we have run out of time. We'll be playing out with dirty little secrets by. Um, new kind of uh, sorry by doge and the singing shamans band is this I, another cover no this is not oh. another cover okay. this one is a, an original track um i should have had the third one but uh no we 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 landed on uh, an original track i believe it's an original track by doge and the singing shamans band and this is dirty little secrets i have been luke smith and i've been sebastian and thank you for listening Now, cause I deserve to be free. You took something that wasn't yours, changed who I could be. I'm sick of pretending.
Inside. 